0: Hey what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Movie Club. Today we are doing a Sean pick.
1: It's a my it's me. It's a me pick. um go figure another NASA movie. go ahead. Uh, uh, this movie I picked. I watched this movie. 25 times from the year when wow. it came out. Oh, my gosh. I loved it when yeah, I was you a did, kid. You did watch this, this a lot. This movie, like, spoke right to me as a kid. Yeah. Um. I don't really all the way know why, but it did. Maybe it was the music. Maybe it was just the style. Maybe it started in San Diego. With, yeah. You know, maybe that was what it was. Something about this was, like, this movie was for me back then. Yeah. But I hadn't seen it in 20 years. So I was, like, dined in, like, what... I have these fond memories of this movie. Is it good? Like, I don't remember at all, really. So
2: let's watch it. The only time I had ever seen it was, I think, at your house. And I showed up as it was already playing. Mm. So I never saw the beginning (laughs) or anything. uh, And that's the only... Yeah, I I saw, I would say, 90% of the movie. But uh, yeah, I didn't didn't remember either. I was like, I remember enjoying this. Right. But is it good? Is Is it it actually good?
0: And the movie is... Almost Famous, mm-hmm. uh, two thousand, the year 2000, film yeah. by Cameron Crowe. You may remember Cameron Crowe from Jerry Maguire or Say Anything. Perhaps you're a big Vanilla Sky fan, or, or you can't get enough
1: of Elizabethtown. I don't think there's one Vanilla Sky fan. I can't. Ah, Hideo
0: Kojima. <laughs> you Hideo liked and- Vanilla Sky, Derek? Well, now there's two of us. Oh, no, my. I'm kidding. That movie is
2: trash Garbage. really ah. I, you're going off all these movies and i realize i've never seen one other movie by this guy really i, I looked thing. nope oh wow yeah this is the only one so interesting
0: well uh you know cameron crowe is an interesting guy let's talk about cameron crowe for a second he's from san diego and yeah. he is historically the youngest contributing journalist for rolling stone magazine yeah. which he started writing for when he was 15 years old and that is essentially what this movie is about. Uh, it's an autobiographical film. The main character's name is not Cameron. It's William. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, from what I understand, this movie pretty much leans heavily on Cameron Crowe's personal autobiographical experience.
1: Pretty much. Yeah, it seemed like it was what he remembered from being on the road when he was very young. Too young to be on the road. And what um, he experienced. I think it was with the Almond Brothers, right? Is that the band? I, I had no Maybe. I somewhere. don't know if you're
0: too young to be on the road
2: at
1: 16. <laughs> that sounds like a
2: dream. Well, I mean, yeah. Maybe, but. maybe I read wrong. I thought he was kind of in a few different situations. He like was. That. I thought was like, when
1: it was first the Almond Brothers, I thought, but maybe I'm.
0: No, you're enough. right. He uh, first toured with the Almond Brothers when he was 16. That was his first tour that he went out on. Mm-hmm. What, um, what
2: songs the Almond Brothers do? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I've always heard of them, but I never. Uh, knew you know
1: them. what? I'm not a big almond brother's head. I don't. Yeah, know. I don't like almonds. <laughs> not, a big almond uh, I'm not a cashew nut man.
0: allergy. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Crowe also was able to interview Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh He wrote about the Who and yes, and had a reputation for covering a lot of bands that the older writers at Rolling Stone didn't like, mm, which yeah opened up the door for him. Cameron Crowe, after leaving Rolling Stone, went undercover as a high school student in San Diego. Uh, and wrote the book Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was later adapted into a movie. Mm, He didn't direct it, though. Um, Interesting. and that's I don't know. I think Cameron Crowe's a cool guy. I think he's interesting. He's an interesting character. Rolling Stone journalist. A local legend, you know? Novelist. Local San Diego cool guy. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be watching Almost Famous. I saw this movie, I think, like, the year it came out, maybe a year after. I didn't see it in theaters. I've also seen Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. Um... I've seen say anything. I love Cameron Crowe. To be honest with you, I th- I think Cameron yeah, Crowe's wow. awesome. Um, this movie was maybe his last good movie. To be real, yeah. I'm oh, trying really? to think
1: of what, what has he done. I have a list of it, but he's done a lot of stuff since. And I was like, oh god, like what happened? I'm to sorry. To this tell? isn't. Uh,
2: he didn't do Days and Confused, did he? Who did that? Uh, I think that was Richard Linklater. Right. Okay. Because that I know that guy did a follow up to that. No, Days Doesn't and matter. Confused. <laughs> we should do one one day
1: because I love that movie. Yeah. That's interesting. What was, I think, We Bought a Zoo? <laughs> did
2: he do that? Oh, he did, oh, he did the screenplay for it.
0: Sorry, us. I stand corrected. That was his <laughs> that, last good there movie. There was a good one. All right, uh, we're going to be getting into the story of Almost Famous. We're going to be giving our commentary and our thoughts, and we're going to be spoiling the whole movie along the way. If you haven't seen it, maybe you should pause this now and go watch it because we're going to dish out the dirt, baby. This movie opens with a record. They put a record on, and pretty much the whole movie is about music. It's about the music world. I don't know. Cameron Crowe wrote for Rolling Stone magazine. Um, and the opening credits are um, the main character writing the names of all the actors on like yellow legal pad. It's very mm-hmm. like lo-fi entry mm-hmm. to the movie. I love the opening for this movie. Much
1: like James Cameron, though, in Titanic, that was Cameron Crowe writing that.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I think I had heard that once. Yeah, or
2: like Mel Gibson, he was the one who pounded the nails.
1: He Cameron Crowe is just like Mel Gibson. I was yeah. gonna tell later, and I'll tell
2: you yeah. why later. Well, but, we'll get into it. Yeah. Well, when you read the police reports, it's hard to tell <laughs> the difference. You know, to be frank, I read the transcripts.
0: Where we cut to driving through a city, and if you don't know what this city is, you're a loser. It's oh. San
2: Diego, California. Yeah, oh my gosh. In fact, it's Ocean yeah.
0: Beach. The, yeah, California. I can just tell you that for personal experience because I've been there. He doesn't even tell you.
2: We just know it.
0: It's also Balboa <laughs> Park. So I think this guy watched a couple Mega64 videos. That's the same that,
2: place we film our stuff. As yeah. soon as I saw that, I thought, I'm like, oh, really? You got a Mario Odyssey and this, huh? And
1: later on, the sports arena, which is where the swap meet is, which is where Assassin's Creed was filmed. So ex- Thank you.
2: Cameron's get, an internet Who did it soldier. first? I don't get know. Get off
0: our nuts, Cameron Crow. Yeah, please. This is our You stole. Birth. Actually, he he was before us. All right, Fine. we'll get off your yours. All right, uh, they really sell the stereotypical idea of San Diego. Also, this is like 1968 or 1969, mm-hmm. so you see surfers and people with woody cars and palm trees yeah. and girls in bikinis, and it's very nice and nostalgic for me, having grown yeah. up in San Diego.
1: Yeah. and I think maybe a part of the reason why I love it is my dad always told me stories about growing up in he lived in PB and went to OB all the time Yeah. at this time. So to be able to see what my dad was talking about, I think maybe is why I, I had a connection with this movie. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, probably even later on when you go, he goes to a black Sabbath concert that happened. Yeah. My dad was at that concert. Yeah. So like
2: that, I don't know. That's cool to me. Yeah. My, my, my family didn't have like tons of stories about obviously you know, like surfing or anything, mm. you know, or going or being in that area. But they always told me about concerts they went to at the sports arena that right. they film at in this movie. You know, we'll get more into that later. But yeah.
0: My family moved to San Diego in nineteen eighty-four. So none of this movie involves my family at all. <laughs> oh <laughs> fuck. sadly. But if we watch any movies that take place in New York City. Pre-1984, my parents were there. Gangs, Ooh. Of, gangs of New York. And I could brag about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Ghostbusters. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we 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 are introduced at this point to our main character, a young boy named William. I didn't catch his name till halfway through the movie, but his name is yeah. William. Uh, mm-hmm. and his mom, whose name I never caught, but she's like an overbearing mom, yeah. genius mother i think she's a college professor and um their first conversation is about to catch a mockingbird and you can just tell that she's very um involved in william's education she points out that all these little details about to kill a mockingbird um that you know william did not notice yeah
1: it definitely gives you the impression immediately that she's always teaching whether it be her class or her kids she is constantly teaching.
0: Yeah, she points out in the conversation about To Kill a Mockingbird, William thinks that Atticus Finch raised the kids by himself, and she's like, no, um, they they had a helper, Caldonia. I think that was her name. Calpurnia, Calpurnia. Calpurnia? yeah, oh, Calpurnia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, basically instills in him this idea of respecting women and paying attention to the women who are sometimes forgotten, which becomes a major theme in this movie. Yeah, uh, the movie is very well written. And this is just a perfect example of how whenever every whenever a character is introduced in this movie, you get their main theme pretty much in their first line of dialogue.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I really like this. The mother character. I'm I'm genuine. Like it would have been so easy. And you've seen you already seen a thousand movies where the mom is just kind of a one dimensional like object in the way. Oh, he's gonna go right about this stuff. Well, no, not my son. Not. I really like that they made her a nuanced character. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was more to her than just being concerned. Which, like, she had a lot of different. I don't know. She felt like a real human being.
1: Well, I think it's because she really is a yeah. You know, like it, it, basically, I, there's a story that I read where like he had his mom come on set for one point, and some crew member was like, "Your mom is." The kid. You should have <laughs> yeah. gone to therapy instead of making a movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, I think this is so clearly based after his actual mom yeah. that he was because he loves his mom. Yeah. But he also is like, oh my god. So
2: like, but you can yeah. see that. That's what he did a good job on. Is like it, she wasn't portrayed as this character like you're gonna hate her because right. she's in the way. You know. It's like you could you tell do, you do love mom.
1: her. Yeah. You love her, but also it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: They he did a great job uh, transporting that into the you know role. Anyway.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, he has a sister as well, played by Zoe Deschanel. Uh, one of her, like, I'm not going to say her first movie, but an early movie. This is one of the first times I recall really seeing her Mm -hmm. in a major picture. Um, again, this is like the late sixties. She's a rebellious teenager. She comes home with a Simon and Garfunkel record. And like you guys said, her mom is really disappointed. The mom is very woke. Mm -hmm. But also maybe a little too conservative. Yes. By, uh, well, it's the 60s. I'll just keep saying that. She knows that her daughter has been kissing. She can detect that she's been kissing. She doesn't like that she has a Simon and Garfunkel record. She accuses Simon and Garfunkel of being on pot uh, in their record (laughs) cover photograph.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, pointing no. to the eyes. the eyes. I also yeah. love. I don't know why I love this line so much, but when she tells the uh, the daughter, uh, "You've been ki- you've been kissing," I can tell. I don't know why it got me. You can't tell. I don't know why her response. I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Not. No. I have it. You can't tell. I, that gets me every time. <laughs> anyway. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of great little lines in this movie that are really funny character gags like yeah. that. I made a couple notes of, of moments like that throughout the movie as well. Yeah. Uh, That was a good one. Basically, from here, we get the family dynamic. We understand kind of how they are as a family. And then we have a scene where um, William's sister encourages his mom to tell him his real age. And we find out that he thinks he's 13, but he's actually
2: 11. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, is fucking weird. Yeah that that was weird. And then I
1: thought like this did this really happen to him? Because how this is so unrealistic yeah. that like th- you you almost can't write that right. <laughs> you know, and like, it, it, that felt very how like. How can what? you tell a kid that are two years
0: older than they are and they believe it
1: for that long? Yeah, that was weird.
0: Uh, yeah, weird. I think that did really happen to Cameron Crow. That's fucking I think he wild. Sk- I think he skipped yeah. two grades.
1: <laughs> how oh. do you not know you're eight? Oh man, that's crazy. Oh. Like when you're a, uh, a kid, your age is like your identity. Yeah. You like wear that as a badge, and it's always like, I'm seven and a half now. Like, yeah. you know, it's like a big deal. Yeah. I so, would always
2: say a higher one than people told me. Yeah, I'm eight. Yeah. I'm eight. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, and it's like,
1: and it's so crazy to think that he just like was so robbed of that. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Man. Um,. Yeah, so he's disappointed to find out that he's not going to be hitting puberty this year. Uh, yeah, he feels left out from the group. Mm-hmm. Finding yourself, you know, finding a group to fit into is another major theme in this movie. Um, his sister ends up leaving the house. She one day tells her mom that they need to listen to a Simon and Garfunkel song, and we'll explain why she's leaving. And this segues into a montage of her packing her bags and... Hitting the road, she leaves with some, like, mysterious guy, and William says, take good care of her, and the guy, like, doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? It, it always
1: kills me when he, like, th- when he says that, like, take good care of her, m- man, like, kind of stutters, and they're trying to be cool by saying man, and then the, the guy just, like, brushes him off. I, I, I yeah. always feel for him in that moment. It's yeah. like, oh, he's just trying to, like, he just comes his sister. Oh, fuck, this is brutal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that actually hits on what this movie is entirely about. His sister gets eye to eye at him with him and says, one day you will be cool. Uh, and she says, look under your bed. It will set you free. This is my opinion, but that's what I think this whole movie is about. William's quest to become cool. Mm-hmm. Coming of age story. Yeah, see that. Conversations throughout this movie are about that subject. Like, is William cool? Will he ever be cool?
1: What does it take to be cool? What is being, cool? I, I mean, that is, uh,
0: <laughs> like, I mean, through the lines of dialogue time and again, yeah. it really is reinforced. This movie is about quote unquote being cool. Mm-hmm. Who is cool? What yeah. makes you cool? How do you become cool? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it's like, he's trying to fulfill that destiny that was given to him at a young age implanted into him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this movie, like Sean said, really influenced me at a young age too. It came out when I was 15 and 16. And that is like the ultimate question when you're 15 and 16, like, how do I become cool? Yeah. What even is cool? Uh, When William looks under his sister's bed, he finds a collection of records, which for me personally has always been a really significant scene. I feel like the records he pulls out is like a short history on Mm -hmm. like your foundation for how to be cool and rock and roll. Uh,
1: Yes. Literally
0: the first album he pulls out is Pet Sounds by the Mm -hmm. Beach Boys, which, you know, could say is like the greatest album of all time. Uh, and then he just flips through some of the greatest albums of all time. It's like everything on the short list of great stuff. There's like Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones, and Led Zeppelin 2 is in there, and Jimi Hendrix and Cream, and Joni Mitchell and The Who. Uh,
1: also, fun fact those are Canyon Crow's actual records that he had from that time. Oh, that's no like, kidding. He just like put them on set that day, dude. So,
0: no nice. hip hop
2: at all, so <laughs> yeah. that's kind of weak. Oh, well.
0: Uh, especially for an 11 year old kid, that's like a solid foundation (laughs) for for a rock and roll education.
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah. absolutely.
0: So then we cut to 1973 and we feel, uh, we see Philip Seaman Hoffmore, uh, he's playing Lester bangs and he is in San Diego, uh, in a San Diego radio station. Um, I love this movie because it makes San Diego look cool. You're laughing at Philip Seaman Hoffmore, but, I mean, pay some respect.
2: Yeah, pay some respect. Uh, I mean,
0: don't laugh at the guy. He's a great
2: actor, and, you know, we we will miss him. I'm just thinking about, you know, The Master, funny movie. You know...
0: Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. I fucked it up. I can't I just, believe I said
2: Again, I was laughing at The that. Master. It's one of my favorite comedies.
1: You you watch this movie, though, and something about Philip Seymour Hoffman, you just instantly love him. I don't know if it's the way he talks or uh,
2: something yeah. about him.
1: He, uh, his yeah. first line, you go like, I like him. Like Every yeah. time I see him, I just think that. Well,
0: he's just a funny, charming guy. He's very charming, yeah.
2: yes. Um, I, I had only seen, honestly, I hadn't seen that many of his movies that he was in until even this the last. I did see The Master, but then, I hadn't seen Boogie Nights until like a year or two ago. And um, yeah, he, he's great. Uh, I didn't know. I read that he had the flu the entire time. Like he only filmed this movie for, I think like a few days, it was four days. They had him, but he had the flu
1: the whole time. You wouldn't, yeah. I, so I, I don't looks like shit. Wouldn't yeah. know. It. Well, that's what he, he said. Like they didn't really add a lot of makeup to him. Kind of make him look a little more like, oh, you yeah. know,
2: like, I don't know. It kind of fucked up a little bit. It worked. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it, he did. It was great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, William meets Lester Bangs, and they kind of walk around in bonds. They go to a cafe and essentially Lester Banks is the editor at Cream Magazine. It's like a smaller Rolling Stone. It's a music magazine. And William has sent him some sample work and uh, Lester's going to give him a gig. Um, I'm just trying to think here. So this scene, they're sitting in a cafe and he tells him that uh, there's a Black Sabbath concert coming to San Diego. So his assignment is to go to interview Black Sabbath at the sports arena. Yeah. yeah. And then he tells him, he kind of gives him this prophecy. And what I realized watching this movie at this point, again, I love this movie and I think it's really well-written and it's almost mythical. This, mm-hmm. this is almost like Star Wars, the way this uh, movie is written. It's yeah. the hero's journey. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And Philip Seymour Hoffman... Is Obi Wan Kenobi? <laughs> sure, I can see that. He's yeah. like a <laughs> shitty, drugged out Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah. wow, and, I and he think about he tells um, he tells William like you're gonna go to this concert and they're gonna eat you up. They're gonna eat you alive. They're gonna corrupt you. Mm. Um, you know, you're on this quest to become cool, and Lester Bangs is this somewhat cool journalist, but at the same time. Lester Bangs is not a rock star, right? So he's not truly cool. He is like this, uh, uh, he's kind of a joke. He's desperate to be perceived as cool. And, and he sees William for what he is like innocent. He says that there's going to be girls and drugs and temptation. This is kind of like the old man in the horror movie telling you, like, don't go down to the Haunted Lake. Bad things are going to happen.
2: <laughs> it's tell- telling them how seductive the dark side is. Exactly. Right. Or
0: it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi telling Luke, like, you can be a Jedi, but be careful. There is a dark side yeah. and it will consume you. You can enter this world of music and become cool, yeah. but be careful because there's a dark side, and he tells them, like, they're going to eat you up. You're yeah. too innocent.
1: A, a Jedi has to avoid attachment. Right. You know? And also, like, they're not your friends. Yeah. yeah. They're not your friends. Yeah. So
0: he gives them this advice. He says, make your reputation on being honest and unmerciful. If you get in trouble, call me. I stay up late. Just kind of like a fucking Gandalf thing to say, you know? Like, <laughs> call me. I'll, I'll always be awake. Yeah. Uh, so then they go to the sports arena, the San Diego Sports Arena, where we filmed so many Mega sixty four music videos. Um, he's dropped off there for a concert. His mom tells him not to do drugs. She shouts, "Don't take drugs!" in the parking lot, and everybody <laughs> was so good. Everybody laughs.
1: laughs. Um, I mean, when we saw Black Sabbath, Derek, it was what two thousand fifteen. Yeah, and the amount of drugs at that show, I can't imagine <laughs> in the seventies what it was like. I can't even imagine.
0: Uh, yeah, this guy was out of his mind. I was yeah. fucking baked. <laughs> Um so then we have a scene in the back of the sports arena where the kid uh he tries to get in to see Black Sabbath. He, he finds a doorman who won't let him in. And then he meets some groupies hanging out behind the sports arena. They call themselves band-aids. And the leader of the groupies is this girl named Penny Lane. Um the girls have a friend who gets backstage and she calls them all over, and William tries to get in with the groupies, but again, he stopped. And then um, a, a tour bus shows up, and a band has arrived late for the show. A band named uh, called Stillwater, and they run up, and William tries to get in with them as well, mm-hmm. but again he's stopped. Um, and he tells them like, I'm here to interview Black Sabbath, but I'd love to interview Stillwater because I love you guys. And they're like, yeah, fuck you. You're you're a journalist. We don't trust you. You're the enemy. But he compliments them. He's like, no, I'm actually a big fan. He names them by name, like Russell, Jason, blah, blah, blah. Your guitar playing is incendiary. Yes. Um, and, and suddenly they warm up to him and they're like, oh, wait, man, my singing is incendiary too. <laughs> yeah. Come on. And they pull him backstage. Um, I love this scene. This might be my favorite scene in the whole yeah, movie.
1: Yeah, I really like this. You scene. know what? I I think the casting in this movie is really well done. Yeah, there's some weird things like Jimmy Fallon's in it later, but even he's fine. He's,
2: he does a great um, job in that but role. I think
1: Jason Lee is fucking great in this movie. Like yeah. he is the perfect rock star yeah. asshole, but also you love him. And in that in this scene in particular, you first see him, but it's like you instantly like him.
2: Yeah, I I feel like Jason Lee. You don't. All You don't hear about him that often out in the just the world. We ha, I can't speak for you, Derek. I don't know. We have always really liked him. Yes. I feel like anytime he shows up in a movie, we're always talking about like, wasn't he good in that? Yeah. yeah wasn't he good? You know? And uh, yeah, I've always, anytime he shows up in something, I'm always like, oh yeah, Jason Lee's in this. Yeah. Um yeah. I was going to say uh, about this backstage part. Again, as you mentioned, Sports Arena, we filmed a ton of videos around there. But specifically that backstage area, I remember we were doing a video, I think it's called uh, Beta Man, something, mm-hmm. that, whatever, something with Beta Man. And there's a scene in it where it's like, we want to have a concert was canceled, so a guy shows up backstage and the, ba- the band went home, yeah. and we were like, well, where do we shoot a backstage scene? And we just, so we just, well, in Almost Famous, they went there, so let's go. We yeah. literally <laughs> shot in that same. So if you ever go back and watch the Mega64 video, Beta Man you'll see this same it And set. it's because of Almost Famous. <laughs> <again>. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: you know, for me, again, this is almost like a mythical journey. Yeah. And I love this scene because this is, ima- imagine this backstage is Cool Kingdom. It's the Kingdom of Cool. Yeah. It's where Black Sabbath and all the bands and the groupies are. <laughs> and William has to get into the gate of the Kingdom of Cool. And it's this backstage door with a security guard. And he tries, he, that's his challenge, get through this door. And he <laughs> makes three attempts. Uh, and you probably don't even realize that watching the movie, but at first he goes up and just tries to use his credentials, right. and that doesn't work. Then he meets the groupies and becomes friends with them, and they try to get him in, and that doesn't work either. And then he meets the band and tries to sneak in with them, and that doesn't work until he finally like proves that, oh, no, I actually... I'm somewhat cool cuz I'm super familiar with you guys. Like yeah, I right. follow you closely. I
2: understand your work.
0: Yes, and it's very much like a this is your first trial on your road to becoming it, cool yeah. and these are your these are your three attempts to beat the trial and on your third attempt you were successful. It's
1: very wizard of oz trying to get it to is. the emerald city. <laughs> yeah. it, it really is. is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um that's why I really like this scene. Mm-hmm. So, uh he ends up getting backstage and again You know it immediately goes to jason lee bragging about how good he is as a singer Mm -hmm. while the guitar player from the band is just practicing his guitar and earlier in this movie i said the script is so good because these major themes with these characters are evident in their very first lines of dialogue Mm -hmm. and literally the first thing jason lee says in this movie is when william compliments russell the guitar player says your guitar playing is incendiary jason lee says Uh hey man (laughs) I'm incendiary too. <laughs> yeah. And then it just goes to him talking about how great he is. You know, mm-hmm. I make people, you know, this band is different. I get people out of a slump. I do this. I do that. I'm yeah. so great. While Russell is just practicing his music and his art quietly in the corner. And this becomes like a bigger theme throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. How Jason is jealous of Russell's artistic talent yeah. and is always talking about how important he thinks he should be. Right. Um, he wants
1: to be the face. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he does. Uh, William talks with this Penny Lane girl a little bit, some more, and um, this part. Yeah, you want to uh, talk yeah, about well this? Yeah, just
1: for one second. It's
0: them talking,
1: and it's like her asking, like, "How old are you?" Because like clearly this is a fucking kid, and then he lies and says he's eighteen, and then she says, "Me too," and then seven. <clears throat> Whoa, <laughs> I'm <gonna> choke. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I know this movie. This moves movie's you, so good. You know this part my god that was weird oh my god i'm all fucked up okay anyways 17 me too 16 me too i'm 15 and then she doesn't say anything back i until watching it this time realized oh she's 16 like i don't know what i thought i thought she was just way older she said i thought she was just going along with him like you know kind of like trying to get him to say the actual age yeah yeah not revealing her age which she does but like now i'm watching like oh wait she's Watching as her as being sixteen is way different to me. I thought she was just like, you know, 18, 19, yeah. hanging out with these bands. And then I was like, oh my that's gr- yeah. whoa. We're her parents. Yeah. Anyways, I just made the realization this time. Uh
0: yeah, I mean, I never read it that way, but you you could be right.
1: Um, I looked it up because I was dying to know, and yeah, it says that she's sixteen. And actually, Brad Pitt was supposed to play um Russell. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was written for Brad Pitt to be Russell, yeah. and he didn't do it. He said he like I didn't all the way get it, and I didn't think I should do it if I didn't understand his vision all the way. But people were also saying that he was just in an interview with a vampire and had a kiss like a twelve year old Kristen Kirsten Dunst yeah. in that movie, and he's like, I don't want a thing of me being with like these like teenagers. <laughs> like I yeah. I can't be around this. Yeah, and so he turned it down for that reason is What people are wow. saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. There there was something I don't know if it was in like. Commentary, or like I watched the behind the scenes thing after I finished the movie, and there's I think there's like more than one line in the movie about how hot he is, and it was supposed to be because it was Brad Pitt. Like, oh, really? Like, yeah, we wrote those in because it was Brad Pitt. It's like, yeah, we got to comment on that, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, well, now we recast it. Do we treat him different? You know, whatever. Anyway, I, thought but that I think Billy Cribb was like a 70s rocker. Yeah, yeah he's sense. a good looking dude. That I don't know, sense. you know, yeah. why that had to change, but anyway.
0: Yeah, uh, Penny Lane seems a lot more wise and worldly than a 16-year-old girl.
2: Yes. (laughs) so I I can see why you would
0: always think she was older. That's why I'm still not sure. I don't know about this. William introduces Penny to Russell, the guitar player, and they have this really uncomfortable, awkward, uh, touching moment. And I feel like, to me, this is what makes a movie like this really special, is you have these kind of like deep emotional moments that don't really make a lot of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. At first, as yeah. the movie goes on, you might go back to that moment and figure out what was so deep and emotional about it. But when something is clearly evident, I just think it's really good. So it's yeah. it's a cool moment. Stillwater plays a show. They go on stage. The kid takes notes backstage, and Penny kind of takes the pencil out of his hand and tells, like, just listen to the concert. She's really teaching him how to be cool. Like, don't analyze everything. Just feel it. Right. Um... Uh, let me skip ahead in my notes here because I'm just repeating stuff. Yeah. When the concert is over, um, I'm sorry. When the concert is over, basically William gets invited to go to the next show to Los Angeles. I think that there's something going on between Russell, the guitar player and Penny Lane. And maybe Russell sees William as the lucky charm that is making that connection happen. And he wants William around for whatever reason. So he says, you have to come with us to Los Angeles. Yeah, I
1: think he sees that like she is protective over him. So if he's going somewhere, she'll want to come to that place too. Yeah, So I think it's like, this is how I get her to come is have him come.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, William is leaving the concert and he says goodbye to literally everybody backstage by name. It's funny. When I was younger, I thought that this was like a really nice thing for him to do—to learn mm-hmm. everybody's name and say right. goodbye to them. And now that I'm older, I realize how uncool of, of, <laughs> him that is to do. Uh, it's so nerdy. Yeah. And again, the scene is really interesting because he's he's saying goodbye to everybody. Bye, Steve. Uh, bye, Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, bye, uh, bye, uh, Laura. Bye, bye, Randy. And then this girl comes up. Her name is Sapphire, and she gives him a kiss. And she's like, she calls him Opie. She goes, "Bye, Opie." Gives him a kiss on the cheek, and he just goes, <clears throat> "Bye." Uh, and then goes back, "Bye, Larry," uh, "Bye, Randall." And it's like, oh, the one time you get kissed, you actually have the cool response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Penny Lane comes up and stops him in his tracks and literally says, "Be cool." <laughs> yeah. So that is just this theme. I mean, he's learning how to do it. Um. Penny tells him that she wants to go live in Morocco for one year. They make this plan to go live in Morocco one night. Yeah. She's like, we're going to go to live in Morocco. Will you want to come with me? And he's like, yeah. And the whole time while they're having this conversation, his mom is whistling for him in the parking lot. Yeah. So it's kind of like new life, old life, calling him back and forth. This movie is very mythical. I'm telling yeah.
1: you. Uh, another fun fact about this movie, he, she asks him, will you go with me? And he says, yes. And then he pauses. He goes, Asked me again, kind of apologetically. And then she asked him again, and he says, yes, again. But I guess uh, that was this him asking because he didn't like that take. He's like, can you just do it again? Yeah, that was, was like a, him saying, like, one more take of this. It yeah, wasn't it was supposed to be outtake. in the movie. <laughs> but they just liked it, so they kept That's it. That's great. <laughs> Anyways, fun fact.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, they go to the L.A. Um, they go to L.A. He goes to L.A. with Penny. They go to this hotel where everybody's like, Partying like crazy rock stars, and she's. Uh... I'm sorry, I'm getting... <laughs> this movie's long, by the it's way. It's like, long. I love this movie, and I can just like keep summing it up, beat by well, beat. Well,
1: a lot of it is just them going to different shows, and sh- but eventually, what happens is like he convinces Rolling Stone magazine, like, "Hey, I want to write an article on Stillwater," and they sign off on it. I think he like I don't forget how they get a hold of him. But he actually you know, makes it like, oh, hello, yo, because his voice is so high pitched that he's trying to like, you know, go along with the fact that he's an older, more mature writer. They get him to, they basically say, like, hey, we'll put you on the road with Stillwater, pay for everything. It's on Rolling Stone. We want an article about them in like, I don't know, I think it was like six weeks or something like that. But the problem is, is that he is still in high school. So uh, his mom wants him to obviously finish that and graduate fucking high school. Yeah. So uh, he's torn. What to do? He doesn't know. Doesn't know.
0: Yeah, I mean that's basically it. Yeah. I try
1: to get get to like the you know
0: I mean, that's the first act pretty much right. Like, is that the first act? Um. Yeah. I mean, the Rolling Stone calls him when he's here, and they they tell him that they want more um, more of an article from him. Uh. But like you said, his mom doesn't want him to leave school, but she agrees to it. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I could keep summing up the movie, but. I mean if you want to, whatever you want whatever you got and whatever you want to do, you know. I that's a, that's your call. <laughs> <laughs> I just hit a wall where I'm like, yeah, I mean I could go through it beat by beat and tell you guys every little thing that happened, but Yeah, I mean Yeah. I mean I say go for it. I mean we can keep going if you
1: want, or we can just go and talk about like, what we feel about the movie if you want.
0: You know? Uh yeah, I mean <laughs> I'm getting, I'm, I'm tiring myself out just talking about the uh, scenes from this movie. So maybe there's something more to say about this or,
1: well, I don't know. I just feel like overall, like there's a lot of things that had to work for this movie. In my opinion, like the music had to be good. Like the feel of it, like it it is to me read as like this person who wrote this movie and then directed this movie, lived this movie in one way or another. Yeah. And like the things that. He saw, like, yeah, maybe he saw this over the course of a decade of being on the road with bands, not just this one trip, but he just put it all in there. I do know that, like later on, there's a plane scene, and like he was with a band, and it almost crashed, like that is real, so he put that in the movie, you know, it's like everything that he loved, I think about being on the road he put in this film, which is why I think it reads such like a um. I hate when people say love letter and I hate when they, yeah. but it's like, it's like, he just loved that part of his life and he wanted to encapsulate that. Just, yeah. you know, just a time capsule for him almost, you know? Yeah.
2: And that's why it reads, it reads so honest, you know, good and bad. Um, yeah, you could definitely feel that through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's why it's, that's why it's so good. Um, I also think it's fun the uh, the music that was written, uh, uh, like they they wrote like the song like Fever Dog and stuff like that. Like, he, oh, he, I had a list of it of who he got um, to write it with him. But it was like an actual person. Like it was like a legit, like uh, maybe it's one from the Owen Brothers, honestly. But they they like wrote that song for him. So like a real '70s rocker wrote him a song. To oh, be it was that Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton. Mm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that's cool. You know, it's cool that he even has those connections, but like he lived that life, so of course he does, you know.
2: Peter Frampton was in, I'm sorry, what band do we know? I, I, for some, I've known Peter Frampton my whole life and just never listened to much of his stuff, but I can't remember. I know he was in a huge band. Um, am
1: going blank. I don't know. Yeah. I'm also going blank, but I know this fucking band. God yeah. damn it. Frampton comes to life. No, I know all what Peter All Fram- I know is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Now song. I'm one of the dummies because I know Peter Frampton. Uh, Yeah. Well, I'm thinking Eric Yeah. Whatever, it doesn't matter.
0: Well, so, you know, over the course of the movie, William gets this uh, article, Job with Rolling Stone. They don't know that he's a 15-year-old kid. And as the movie progresses, the article, he doesn't have much of an article. He keeps trying to get an interview with these band members individually. He really just wants to get Russell the guitar player. It's obvious that Russell is the talented one of the group, and the other ones are just kind of along for the ride but every time he tries to get this interview with russell it gets interrupted either something is happening with penny lane and russell's relationship and he's too upset to talk or band drama happens there's a scene where they try to do an interview and the manager shows up with their t-shirts for the first time but russell is the only one featured on the (laughs) t-shirt and all the other (laughs) band members are blurred out and this starts a fight um
1: i'm surprised and i I honestly have looked I wanted that shirt. Like they should have sold
2: that at some point. Yeah, that's funny. You think they would have?
1: Yeah, maybe. But
2: Um, I've always looked for it. But all all these reasons he can't continue. That that is the most real feeling part of this whole thing. It's as simple as sitting down for five minutes and getting a damn interview, and it is like tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Like that is the most real feeling thing in this whole movie. (laughs) Sometimes you just can't get the simplest thing done. Anyway, Humble Pie. Is what Peter Frampton was in. No, oh, yeah, I don't even know who that is. So, oh, yeah, great, Humble Pie. <laughs> I'm the same. Huge that, Humble they, Pie They rock. Man. I just know Humble they Pie. Rock. I know that I name. It was in a bigger. Uh, well, I mean, maybe they Ringo were star in his All Star Band. Oh, Does that maybe, count? Maybe that's it. I think I saw them. I saw them play with Ringo or something. Anyway, mm.
0: it's clear that Russell is in love with Penny. It's clear that William is in love with Penny, and it's clear that Penny wants to be with Russell. But Russell is married, and. That's the crux of a lot of drama throughout this movie. And it's really, I will say, it's a beautiful movie. I love this movie. There's a lot of touching moments, coming-of-age moments. Uh, William gets ambushed by all these groupies who decide they want to take his virginity at some point. And he's backstage with the bands. At one point, the band gets electrocuted on stage, and they flee the venue. They, they get into a car chase. It's a lot of fun times and William generally slowly gets accepted into this entourage. He slowly does become cool.
1: Yeah, and they kind of all start loving him as himself. And yeah. they don't like like, you know, there's a scene where Russell's like talking to him about all this shit about how he's like the band's holding him back and he's better than the band. And he's like, But here I am telling the a secret to the one person you don't tell secrets to. And then William's like, No, I won't, I won't write about this. You know, whatever. So it's like he has earned their trust all the way. Yeah.
0: When the band's uh, about to head into New York, though, they, they make it clear that they can't bring Penny with them because Russell's wife is going to be there and she needs to go. And so they trade her to a different band for a, you know, 50 bucks and a box of beer. Uh, but when Penny finds out she's not going to New York, she doesn't accept it. She insists that she's going to go to New York no matter what. And her and William get into a fight. And he tells her, like, wake up. They don't want you here. They traded you for 50 bucks and beer. I was there. I saw it. And, you know, it's this really touching moment where she cries, but then she cracks a smile and she wipes her tear away. And she's like, what kind of beer? <laughs> um, but then she ends up going to New York anyways. And she tries to be with Russell when he's there with his wife. It's It doesn't work out. It's very uncomfortable. It's yeah. real awkward. His and wife... Like- Is on to it, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like the the scene where she shows up, it's like, I don't know what you think is going to happen here, but it's like, this is brutal. Like, he shouldn't have been cheating on his wife with you, but you also knew he had a wife, so I don't know. But then she's like, well, you know, he loves me. It's like, oh, fuck, like, that's rough. And also, that does read that, like, a 16-year-old would be thinking this, you know, like, (laughs) ah.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, she's basically kicked out of the club that the band is in and William goes to see her and finds that she has taken a bunch of pills. She's OD'd. He calls the hotel doctor and they come and pump her stomach and save her life. And William kind of sees this in this scene. He watches her a little bit affectionately. It's clear that he loves her and he just saved her from dying. And I think he realizes too, that maybe, um, this is going to be the end of her and Russell. I don't know. It's, it's just clear that he's in love with her. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of,
1: to me, signifies like this, the fun times are over. Yeah. Like yeah. we had the fun and this is it. Like, I don't know what we're doing here.
0: Yeah. Now you have to pay the price. Right. Uh, he turns in his article, to Rolling Stone, but he never got an interview. He doesn't have much of an article and they really hate it. But he asks for one more day and he writes like the most incredible expose ever. Actually that night he calls Lester bangs for advice. Like I never got an interview. I don't have I, I don't know what to say. And Rolling Stone wants to give me a cover article. And Lester Banks tells him, like, you became friends with these guys. They made you feel like you're cool. I mean, mm-hmm. he tells them this is like his final speech. He says, you're not cool. Yeah, People like you and mm-hmm. me, we are uncool. Like, don't get fooled. Like, we are outsiders. Mm-hmm. We're not part of that world. And he reminds mm-hmm. him, like, just be honest and be merciless. So William writes a scathing art, Not a scathing article, but he just tells the truth of everything he expects. Everything. The, ex- and everything. the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, truthful. It's the most mind-blowing mm-hmm. article. But, of course, when the fact-checkers call to the band to see if it's true, the band denies it. So William's career is pretty much ruined before it gets started. His first article with Rolling Stone is
2: trashed. Mm-hmm. Which I was surprised how quickly they tossed him out on that. You know, because they're immediately like, yo, the band denied this, you know, William, come on. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I was I was like, well, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of bands first reaction would be no. Like I, I you would think like they would maybe like, well, maybe we'll talk to some other people. Of course, I don't know who they would have, but I was surprised how quickly they were like done with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they wanted to squash it. They didn't yeah. like the way it made them look. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. you see
1: Jason Lee reading it saying like, I never said this. Like, well, did I say yeah. this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: We're, we cut to backstage with Russell, and he's with Sapphire, a different groupie. And they're kind of catching up. This is maybe a year later. And she tells him, like, you know, we all know what you did to William. We all know what you did to Penny. Like, you fucked them over. Um, and they have this funny conversation about the new batch of groupies, how they suck. They're like, these girls eat steak. They eat all the steak, and they don't use birth control. <laughs> uh, we were the real groupies. Russell calls up Penny Lane and tries to reconcile with her. He's like, I want to come to your house. Give me your address. But the address that he gets uh, is William's house. By the way, side note, when William gets kicked out of Rolling Stone, he gets he's in an airport and he gets found by his sister. Who is a yeah. stewardess. She's a stewardess. And they can't believe it. It's like a chance encounter in a random airport. Yeah. And she goes, I'll take the day off. Let's go anywhere in the world. He makes her go home.
1: Sea mom. Yeah. <laughs> <a C-mom>. yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Russell shows up. Because Penny Lane sent them there. And the final scene is Russell and William hanging out in William's room. And he's like, I guess we both love Penny. And in the end, she wants us to be together. Mm-hmm. So William grabs his microphone and he's like, Let's do it. Let's do this interview that we never got around to do. And they just shoot the shit as friends. Mm-hmm. And that's how the movie ends. William has just become genuine genuine friends with this rock star. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there are
1: so many parts of this movie that I think there's so much comedy in this movie even though it's serious and there's a lot of shit that goes on, but there's a constant laughs yeah. I felt like throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Even the scene like they're in the plane about to crash and then they are arguing and like it's like it's still funny and then the drummer who doesn't say a single line in this movie that I can think of just comes out as yeah. that he's gay. And yeah. everyone just stops and looks at him, and then the plane rightens itself up, and then they just are all like, left with what was just said. <laughs> it's all very yeah well done, and you know there's a
2: lot of humor to this movie yeah. that
1: you wouldn't think right off the bat.
2: Yeah, that that pl- I totally forgot. The plane going down scene is so good. Yeah, everyone's confessing. You know, I re- you know that he uh, uh, Russell tells everyone, if I didn't say it enough, I love you guys. Yeah, and you just think like. Well there's the perfect thing to end this part on right. and then it right like the okay and then the plane's going to level out and it's like oh he opened up to them and it just it doesn't stop there they're all just fucking candid with him like you know it's easy for you to say this but you know we are constantly kind of you know being dragged around by you and in your shadow and da 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 da, da and I don't know that was a very well done scene that that would come out in that moment yeah and, and even just, like
1: yeah i was thinking a never touching moment of like when he, He's talking to his sister, saying, I'll take you anywhere. And then they, she makes her go back home to see her mom for the first time since she left. And like, you don't know what that is going to be, but all she does is just hug her. And it's just like, there's no dialogue. This yeah. is very sweet, though. You know, yeah. there's just
2: a lot of like heart. Again, it would have been very easy to write that scene very, uh, you know, there's a lot of, as you said, comedy in the movie. It would have been so easy to make that part very cliche. Yeah. And insta- again, there's a nuanced person here. Like, she shows up and it's not, you know, Oh, you know, it's not some argument for the sake of argument or, you know what I mean? It's not It's not the same cliche. It's like, there. no, there's love. There's and- also another moment
1: uh, a little earlier when uh, William's on the phone with his mom, who you, uh, at this point, you know her very well at this point. Yeah. And then Russell takes the phone wanting to talk to her. Like, is this mom thinking he's just some badass rock star going to yeah. talk to this woman who's going to be all impressed? And we know, as the audience, know, like, oh, he's fucked. Like, he does not know who's on the <laughs> line. And, like, that phone call is, like, hilarious in the sense of, like, it's this, like, by the end, he's like, yes, ma'am. Like, he's, like, this rock yeah. star who was just humbled so hard by yeah. this woman.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this is just a side note with that, but I I always love when I hear, I, I I heard later they filmed this movie all chronologically. Oh, they did? Because they wanted to, yeah, they he was like, uh, Cameron Crowe was like, You know, by the end of this tour, by the end of any tour, you're fucking tired. (laughs) We, I think, you know how that feels. Um, You know, he's like, you're tired. You're so happy to see your own bed and all that. He's like, I just, I wanted to like feel that as Mm. we went. By the time that we film again in his room, it actually feels like, oh, we're back here. You know, and interesting and all that. But in addition to that, like when they did those phone calls, they, they were really on the other side. Like, like when Billy Crudup is is really talking to really the dormant and, and you know what I mean? And all those little things that you mentioned, again, feel authentic. Yeah. They just went the extra mile to make it feel, you know, I also legit. read that the, they made the band practice together
1: for four weeks before just so oh, they, like, didn't know, know each yeah. other. Yeah. And, yeah. like, they had to have a tight bond before, and then, like, everyone else they could meet on set it didn't matter, but they needed to be, like, yeah. tight.
2: Yeah, it was just uh, unspoken just familiarity from having that. That's cool. I didn't know so that. So that being said, this movie I think was kind of a flop.
1: Like Oh, really? I didn't I know. I don't think it did that well. Um it did better. Like it it came out, I think it did a, had a terrible weekend. But uh, then like word of mouth kind of made it a little bit better. But yeah. overall, I think it maybe lost money, but I I truly believe that this movie probably found its home on like DVD or VHS. You know, yeah. like this seems like everyone I know and that time, owned this movie. Yeah. You know, whether
2: they saw it in the theater or not. So maybe... Yeah, I feel like I saw that poster of Kate Hudson with the sunglasses on. Yes. A- anybody I know who owned uh, any movie, <laughs> you would see that on their shelf. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. I feel like you'll see the same story w- when about it not doing good initially. I really feel like there's a history of that with movies based on rock. Mm. Like that just... Anytime they were, there was a movie about, oh, a rock star or this or that... I just feel like that's the continued story. It's always like, yeah, it didn't do very well, but it found an audience. That's like, I I just hear that. Anytime I see a movie about rock that I really like, that's the story. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, so that's it, I think. Is that, do I get anything else to say?
0: No, I think we should rate it.
1: Okay. Well, I picked it, so I'm going to go first. Hadn't seen this movie in a very long time. It was wild to me that when I first saw the movie, I was William's age. And now I'm so older than seriously. the band, wow. so that was uh, a cold, hard dose of reality. But uh, <laughs> I still love this movie. I maybe even love it more now. I think I get it more now than I did as a kid. And uh, yeah, this is one of these movies that like I think I'll always like have like a special place in my heart. I'm going to definitely, easily give it a five shaker for me. Ooh, damn.
0: Nice. I also feel bad that I am currently older than everyone in this movie. <laughs> uh, Billy Crudup was thirty-two when he played the part of Russell, oh, and wow. uh, look at pictures of William today, and
2: he's ancient. So, Wait, how old is Francis McDormand? I might not be older than everybody. Uh, no, I wish She's thirty-five. So, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Tell me
0: that. I'm also going to give this movie five shakers just because it's personal pleasure and highly influential on me. And I think it is uh, a movie about being cool. If you want to be cool, start with this movie and and internalize the lessons within. Yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. if you want to be cool, here's your shot. Okay, get Mm -hmm. on it. Um, Yeah, that's funny. I felt bad after I finished watching it. I'm like. I feel like I've been too fast and loose with the fives lately. Mm. I feel like the last few things, honestly, there I gave I gave a few fives recently. I don't want to do that every time. Uh, fuck it, yeah, I give this a five. I was really, I it really was better than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised because I thought like, well, this is gonna be early. All the early two thousands movies, I feel like have a certain reek to them. Sorry, but a lot of them do. Even my favorites, you know, you watch them and it's like, ooh, yeah, early two thousands movie. Maybe there's a hair of that here, but it doesn't get in the way of what a beautiful story it is. And yeah, yeah, I, I mean, everything you guys said.
1: So now we have Citizen Kane and Shit. Almost Famous, wow. as the perfect score movies. Wow, yeah. they sit
2: alongside. Slowly,
1: each there's going to be a collection of movies you can't miss if you're makes your four <laughs> fan.
2: <laughs> How funny! I never would have thought of, any of those two. Me neither. Uh, Almost, I, Citizen Kane, I guess, makes sense. But yeah, yeah, that, you know, you know. Uh, I did want to say, though, real quick, uh, when I, I got this movie, they they, they just ser- seriously, we we said, OK, that'll be the next movie. And then I went home and I forgot that I had pre ordered. They did a new Blu-ray of this movie. It had just come out. I don't own, I didn't own the movie. Mm. So I just well, you know, I ordered it. I didn't know. I didn't. <laughs> this was months ago that I did that. And it just showed up right as we had to watch this. Anyway, when I put it in, it was like, yeah, you want to watch a uh, regular or the bootleg cut? I'm like, I'm sorry. What? Um, and then I did some research online and I forgot I had heard about this, but in like 2011, 2012, they did release a longer version of the movie. And Cameron Crowe was like, that's the best version. Like, wa- that's the one to watch. Hmm. So I was kind of torn for a second. I'm like, should I check that one out? And I was like, no, let's see it for the, the one that came out that people loved. I'll watch that. Then I found out, I think it's like 40 minutes longer. I guess there's really good stuff in it. They go into certain things a lot more, huh. and, you know, whatever. Doesn't need that. I don't know. But um, I've heard it It was good. But then I heard there were a lot of songs that he wanted to put in the longer cut. Like, oh, this is supposed to have Stairway to Heaven, but we didn't get approval for that. So they'll just subtitle it, like, play Stairway to Heaven here. I'm like, I didn't want to watch it <laughs> in with that shit happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I didn't watch it, but I kind of want to. I, I might, after this, I might go back and yeah, check it out. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, that is almost famous Rocco. I believe
1: you have the next pick.
2: Yeah. Uh, I kept hearing about recent movie also flopped in theaters, but it's kind of, uh, it's just popped up on HBO max. And, uh, I, I heard people who discovered it later said it was pretty good. Uh, but Ridley Scott recently put out a couple movies. He put out this movie and house of Gucci within months of each other, but we're not watching house of Gucci. Hmm. Uh, the Last Duel. Um, I kind of heard, uh, I, I heard some mixed stuff, but I, uh, I heard that it was kind of overlooked, and I wanted to just check it out. It's a newer movie. I wanted to watch it, so we're going to. Okay, The Last Duel,
1: starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, and Ben Affleck, yes. will be next week on Movie Club. So let's hope it's not nice. the last episode. <laughs> we'll see you then.